Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Couldn't break us down because we were so brave. We kept our pride throughout the years. Worked hard and prayed and shed tears. No matter what the world has put us through, we come out on top in everything we do. All work together, we know that we can win. I love the way we walk. I love the way we talk. I love the way we sing. I'm blessed because I don't want that.
Y'all gonna say the words and you say them back. Are you ready? No matter where we go. No matter where we go. There we are. There we are. We're not just players. We're not just players. We're the shining stars. We're the shining stars. Read this word. Read this word. Both near and far. Both near and far. About just how black. Just how black. We truly are. We truly are. Take these words. Take these words. Across the land. Divided we fall. Divided we fall. United we stand. United we stand. Think about greatness. Think about greatness. Your history. Your history. Without my people. Without my people. Where would my people? Where would you be? Without my people, I would not want to be. Without my people, I would not want to be. You are listening to Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, all black, all news, all you, for Thursday, July 26, 2012. 
This broadcast is designed to service the African-American communities in Chicago and around the world. Tonight's segment is Black Wall Street USA. Join us right here every Thursday evening, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central Standard Time for Black Wall Street USA. Our host is Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Districts, Chicago, and publisher and editor of the South Street Journal. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network, author of Black America, Asking Ourselves the Tough Questions, Book 1, 2010, available on Amazon.com, and Mr. Carter's co-host for the show. We will reach out to organizations and individuals across the nation in our efforts to connect the dots, the spiritual dots of our people across this land. We will bring forth ideas and agendas that are already in place and let the nation know what works for us. We will bring forth people across the nation who know how to make it work. It is our desire that those who work for the common good of our people meet here on common ground and share what it is it is that they do. Our network, these broadcasts, um, are dedicated to Mayor Harold Washington. It's our goal to keep his memory alive in the hearts and on the minds of Chicagoans. And last week we said we're going to start the tradition again of asking each guest how do you remember Harold Washington? Ron, we're going to remember tonight to ask the Chicagoans how they remember Harold Washington. Tonight's segment, before we bring the chairman on, just want to tell you what we're doing tonight. Tonight we're walking in the footsteps of Miss Kenya Renee of Fame Entertainment, who is a phenomenal force in Chicago from her civic duties to her entertainment company. A few weeks ago, she hosted a community conversation with Mr. Charles S. Dutton, the director and star of The Obama Effect, which is now in theaters. This was held at the president's official Chicago Barbershop, the Hyde Park Barber Salon, and it was quite a success. I want to thank her for inviting me out. Now, Black Wall Street thought that we would piggyback off of that event in an attempt just to keep the dialogue going, keep the conversation alive. I think everybody there really enjoy being there, even though we were there about three hours, Mr. Dutton was there with us, they had so much more to say and they felt so much more that they wanted to share. But once again, we want to extend our thanks to Miss Kenya and Fame Entertainment. We opened up the show with I Love My People by Mr. Obama William King. You love that song, don't you, Ron? Justusarts.org. That's who Obama is, Obama William King, calling him Obama. Uh Black Wall Street USA, that's who we are. Call at number 347 The chat room is open. Tell you where I'm all rattled. I'm always touching things right before the show comes on that I should not be touching. And so all my systems start going crazy. And I know this. I'm just a bad child, I think. Now, the chat room is open. I'm going to put our contact information in the chat room, and you should do the same. That's how we connect. And if there are questions, if you have questions, we will certainly uh, pick those up and share them with our listening audience. You're listening to Chicago's Black Business Radio Network. Tonight's segment is Black Wall Street USA. Our host, Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street District Chicago, will be with us in a moment. Uh, we're gonna. Last week we, we've had a great month of shows. Absolutely. Uh, not only did we have Mr. Dudden on last week, we talked about the print media. And I'm going to let Ron get into that for you, the life death cycle of the print medium. And uh, we had some good guests. We had Richard B. Muhammad of The Final Call and Telly Woods, co-founder of 
Positive Magazine. So we look at we looked at both spectrums of the print media, online advertising and communications. I put you put it like that, and uh, the absolute traditional print media. Ron Carter, how are you this evening? Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Sonia. I'm doing great. Uh, how about yourself? I'm here. <laughs> good, good, good. You know, do you enjoy your week? Yes, my week. I'm always working hard trying to create some new promotional and marketing packages, and I think that we uh, were putting a very nice one out there. So I was working on that this week, meeting a few people for coffee on 63rd and Woodline tomorrow at the Robust Coffee House just to chit-chat. So I'm just always chit chat, just to chit chat, business in Chicago's Black Business Network, just chit chat. Yeah, we chit chat, <laughs> but our chit chat is business. That mm. is business, you know. That is business, uh, Ron. So just you know, meet a couple of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Well, it's been somewhat of a busy week here as well. Uh, I had a uh, went to the. United American Progress Association meeting, uh, which uh, John Clark of Reggio Spiso was present. He was addressing his issue in getting his products into the big box stores, targeting Target, uh, because Target is not allowing Reggio Spiso to be at his location, in which um, the mission of Black Wall Street Districts of Chicago is to increase and sustain. So we do take the position that any black product uh, or any store in the black community should make room for any black product. And so the United American Progress Association has took that lead. Uh, They addressed it uh, at this past Monday meeting and that we want Target to be, uh, to have Reggio's Pizza in their place. And if they're not, Target is the target. It's the target of a boycott right now until they put that Reggio's Pizza in their store. And that's not just going to be resting with Reggio's, but any black product, uh, we need to make it mandatory that they put those black products in those stores at least in the stores where the black community is located. So that's one major target that we're looking at. We are moving forward with opening up our office in the uh, south suburbs. That's the office of Black Wall Street uh, District of Chicago uh, in the mall on 184th and Halsted. Uh, We're going to open up South Street Journal office right next to it. They've been getting on South Street Journal for the last, uh, ooh, I guess, for the last 10 years saying, why don't you all expand in the South Suburbs? So strategically, we're working with a uh, brother by the name of Rick Carter, no relationship, and which he's setting up an office for both, and uh, we're looking at really doing some good things with the South Suburbs of Chicago. In addition to that, we're getting ready for the Black Parade that's going to be going down our first Black Wall Street district of 75th Street. Uh, We're going to be having some motorcycle um, 
clubs. We're going to have some Corvette clubs. So we're growing on this parade, which is going to be the third uh, Saturday in August. Um, and we're doing some networking with some uh, pastors, too. And also we're following up on the uh, parity legislation. So we still got a heavy agenda. It seems as though it just don't stop, but uh, we are focused. Mm-hmm. So we're not just sitting on 63rd and Woodlawn chit-chatting, but that's just <laughs> a, a tad to you. I mean, but I guess it's good to chit-chat every now and then. It's good to relax and with a sidebar of taking care of business and, and building those relationships up. So I definitely can understand that type of scenario, you know. So, yeah, yes. we're, we're moving, we're moving. And you have put together a package for uh, South Street Journal looking at August as Black Business Month. And so we're gearing up to that. want to uh, really focus on, because, see, a lot of things are going on in August, taking consideration the back-to-school parades, the Bubbillican parade, the Memorial Day or Labor Day, whichever one that is, a lot of stuff going on. So we definitely need to take full advantage of the things that's going on in August and focusing in on Black Business Month, which originally came out of Texas, of all states. The state of Texas actually passed a resolution declaring August as Black Business Month. Now, this is going on the something like the 10th year. It's been a low profile, but it's uh, starting to catch up, and we want to kind of gear into that for August with a bunch of activities, and that one of those activities is we're having a follow-up meeting that we had maybe about a month ago uh, next Tuesday regarding the Black Wall Street districts. And at that Black Wall Street district meeting, uh, the South Suburbs would be present to make their presentation on how they're going to move forward in building this mall. Well, not a building, reestablishing this mall on 184th and Halsted. That's, again, where we're going to be locating South Street Journal and Black Wall Street District's office in that particular location. So the activities are moving, you know, we, we, you know, sometimes it seems though we're not moving because we're involved in so much to the point that we do need to kind of slow down at 63rd and Woodlawn for a coffee shop and do a little chit-chat. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. That's Ryan Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Districts. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network. And I'm going to share with you why I put it in that way. You know, my my base is uh, one of small businesses, which is what yours is as well. And I'm uh, forever promoting and selling to them. Well, I want to do more than that. I want to build relationships, relationships with them. And this is one of the ways that, and I've, I've, uh, I didn't have coffee last month, but I did before and I really enjoyed it. Uh, we do talk about the products and services that we do offer small businesses, all designed to promote their business and assist them in taking their businesses to the next level of success. 
Um, I am working on my branding, which I have, I'm years behind, <laughs> but I have someone working on that. So I'm moving forward in all those things. So as I learn, I teach, because it's things that we should all have in place, all of our licenses, all our branding, all of these things. But we're running, a lot of businesses and small businesses do not follow those steps, and they don't do as they should. And these things, you know, cost a little bit, but they do assist you in uh, being more successful in your business. Also, uh, a lot of one of the things that small businesses perceive as a cost and which is actually a benefit is advertising and promotion. When they're weighing what they have in their pocket, and I do understand it, they look at advertising as an expense they cannot afford, but it is actually something that they cannot afford to do. Can you speak on that a little bit for us, Ron? Well, you know, there's the old um, uh, saying is that when a small business, uh, one point where they do their heavy advertising is when they're getting ready to go out of business. Then they do some heavy advertising to get rid of all their supplies, their equipment, and so it's heavy advertising. I'm going to do a going out of business sale. So what needs to happen is that advertising definitely should be a, somewhere between 25 to 30% of your overall budget. And if we can even look at the big box, uh, uh, major corporations, advertising, public relations, promotions is approximately 33% of the budget. Uh, and because the the competition is fierce, and you have to look at it the same way as uh, Sears, if, for example. Sears advertise washing machines every week. But people do not buy washing machines maybe every five, seven, or ten years. So the thing is, is that even if whatever you have, you must advertise it. You must continue to be in the people's uh, face, uh, promoting yourself, because there's short-term results that you want, but at the same time, you're really securing long-term results, you're branding yourself, and branding is just so important with the high competition that is out there. There's many mediums to do so, but you definitely have to look at advertising being somewhere of 25 to 33% of your budget. Now, that in that 25 to 33%, it's also included direct sales approach. So that means that when your sales representatives go out, part of the expense is advertising in your sales package. So that sales package is consistent of your brochure, of your uh, of your image, of the uh, the layout of your design, uh, your, your getting on Chicago's Black Business Network. That is a form of advertising. That's part now. Public relations is one thing, but you still have to pay 
a public relations person to keep your name out in the public. So, yeah, I can go on and on. Advertising has been my uh, uh, passion, not only to the point of products, but also in the form of organizing people because for the most part, you're only going to get somewhere between 1% to 3% per 1,000 people respond to what you have. That's including Microsoft and Facebook and the whole works. You're only going to get 1% to 3% per 1,000 people, and that's still based on if you are hitting the right thousand people. You know, you're not going to be uh, selling dog food, but you're advertising in a publication that's geared toward cats. So you definitely have to look at your strategy and your uh, your segment of the advertising audience to get that 1% to 3% uh, results. You know, and I will... Uh, call that method toward any industry, no different than cars. You know, people buy cars maybe every, right now people normally buy cars maybe two, three, four years. But cars continually are the auto industry, are the major advertisers. So when you're ready to buy that Rolls Royce, probably you're not going to buy a Sonya because Rolls Royces are not in your face as much. However, if that Mercedes you want, you did say Mercedes, correct? No, I never said Mercedes, but go ahead. <laughs> you didn't say Mercedes? What you uh-uh. want? Uh, or just Convert- a regular Chevy? Convertible, convertible, the convertible Beetle. Mm-hmm. The convertible Beetle? Well, <laughs> I hope that the convertible Beetle have identified you in order to keep your mind focused on that uh, on that beetle, because if that beetle manufacturer is not constantly in your face, you know that 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 that, that uh, Volkswagen Rabbit convertible might change your mind. So that both that that beetle got to continue to be in your face, because when you're ready to buy that convertible uh, beetle. If that if they're not in your face, the, um, uh, uh, the the rabbit may just go ahead and be that convertible for you. So it's important for uh, small businesses to just stay in the face because that person is going to buy eventually. So you got to make sure that when they're ready to buy, they're thinking about you. Well, I think that um, no, the Beetle advertisers are not their target market. They are not in my face. They could care less about me. I, I am absolutely not their target market. Um, does not appear to be. I don't see them out there, um, and you don't see them. You don't see them advertising it as much, even in the newspaper, the major publications. Um, I'm not sure what their strategy is or what they're doing, but you don't see them as much as the other uh, auto dealers. But one thing I do want to say that I'm finding um, since I'm wearing part of this hat now as um, an advertising salesperson, a promotion person, that people, one thing that people 
And it may be something that goes with having a small budget on a tight budget or in a fix, which a lot of small businesses are often in. And you mentioned consistency. They don't understand the necessity of consistency and how, as you say, you must be repeatedly and always in the face of who you consider your target market because they do run, and you know this, they do anticipate if they put a one-inch ad in the newspaper or anywhere, even if it was on my site or wherever it may be, that they expect phenomenal things from that one particular thing without knowing and without constantly being being aware. And I try to educate, you know, my small businesses as I talk to them, but they still have this in their heart and mind that it must have, something must happen, and it must happen immediately right now, this second. And that's now often how it goes, depending on what you're offering and depending on what you get. And they have a, they lose their understanding as to, why they're getting no response. It could be price points. It could be what you're offering is, like you said, not of interest to that particular target market. It could be, let's um, say, price points. It could be your competition. So they have to look at a lot of different things as to what's happening. And it could be the lack of consistency. If I am right here, like you said today, you used the uh, washing wash machines and the auto industry as an example. I may absolutely not be buying a uh, coat right now. Um, it may be September. I may not be buying one. I may not buy till December, but I may keep thinking about it because I may keep seeing it. It doesn't mean that they won't buy. It's like, as they always told me in real estate and, and always told us, period, you have to plant some seeds. It might be down the line money. But if none of those seeds are planted, which is something that I have a tendency to do and I forget to do it sometimes, and that hurts you when you don't do it. You do promotion, and you tell me because you're the advertising person. Right now, July 26th, I'm doing advertising and promotion. Yes, I want to sell tomorrow or next week too and every day of the week, but as I do this right now, I'm planting seeds really for August and September so that people will, who are considering the packages that we're putting out, they may not come until the publication is almost out. Uh, they may, their nickels and dimes may be funny, and, of course, the promotion may not be the same, so they may think about publishing in September. But if you don't plant any seeds and you don't put that idea there, they will never think about it at all. I think the people we had on the real estate show are an example. Shantae Bridges out of L.A., Los Angeles Real Estate Now, out of L.A., uh, an absolutely exceptional real estate agent who's been in the business for 18 years. She sent me that press release in February, and I was going through my files trying to do a show. So it wasn't an immediate response, and she probably she's probably very, you know, exceptional at marketing. She's been in uh self-employed for a long time, but I did not, I went through those press releases, and there she was. So sometimes the results are not as immediate as we want, and as a matter of fact, um, a car dealer, he's being, you know, he sent me an email from October of last year and asked me, was this still available? Now, that's from October, because 
maybe it's been lost in his email since October. I don't know. But maybe he didn't have an interest in trying any other outlets. Maybe things are slow and he's looking at his marketing. We don't know, always know what's going on out there. But you listen to Black Wall Street USA, and tonight's supposed to be the Obama effect, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I want to ask you a couple of other things, Ron. Um, Now, you were over at United American Progress Association regarding – uh, placing products with major uh, major retailers uh, from mm-hmm. the black community, black business owners from the communities. Now, when you were over there speaking with them about this, did they have a list of the current uh, black wholesalers that Target is currently using? Uh, no, they did not. Uh, you know, one thing that we have uh, done with uh, Black Wall Street uh, uh, Chicago uh, early on, uh, now one thing is that uh, R.J. Dale Advertising, which handled the um, uh, a lot of black products for Jewel, Jewel Foods, um normally for Black History Month, they normally put a display on for the black products that are in their stores. Uh, So we kind of capitalized on that to kind of reach out to those black products. Um, Even with those black products, even if you're looking at Glory Foods, if you're looking at uh, this uh, even Eat and Run, uh, their um, seasoning uh, as good as mother's, uh, the uh, the hot sauce, uh, uh, Joe's hot sauce. I mean, there's approximately about 26 products that are in jewels. We do need to get back on that agenda to make sure, not just in jewels or Target or Walgreens, but also in the little... Um, uh, mom pop stores that's on the corner. Uh, one good example, again, getting back to Reggio's Pizza, there was a store on 71st and State Street, and they indicated that, uh, well, you don't have Reggio's Pizza in here. And so the store owner say, we sell what our customers want. Webb Evans, the uh, president of United American Progress Association, replied by saying, you are not selling what the people want. You're selling what you want, and they have no choice. So the the matter, the fact of the matter is, uh, yes, uh, black products need to use the different type of advertising, and that means community activism in order to get their products into these black stores. That's part of the agenda of sustaining. Uh, black businesses. So we do need to continue to reach out to those black products. Uh, there was a, uh, a soft drink product, I think a muggle, something to that nature. Uh, it was out before Red Bull or these other um, uh, nutritional, so-called nutritional drinks. Uh, but they was not considered 
they, they it was more like a mango uh, fruit drink uh, that sold for a dollar fifty a can or so, and so now the a lot of these drinks are out for ninety nine cents. So the the mango the black soft drink have to compete. They have to compete with their positioning in these stores. I mean, positioning the stores, just like some stores sell their sauce drink right at checkout. So we have to be, the community, the black community, have to be sensitive to that to ask the question, where is this black product? Uh, at the meeting at United American Progress Association, one of the members went through the store, had their shopping cart filled up, and asked the manager, where is Reggio's Pizza? And so they said, well, we don't have Reggio's Pizza. Well, this cart full of food and product, I don't want it. I'm going back until you get Reggio. So it definitely will have a better impact as you uh, raise the question, where are the other black products? Sometimes the community cannot move as uh, uh, as fast as the black product is because they their production is probably not as fast uh, to produce the product. Well, let so, me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Usually, all industries, all product types and services, where is the black professional organization for this uh for these type of manufacturers uh, who are targeting retail stores, where's the black wholesalers organization in this picture? To me, that's not a United American Progress Center job. Where is the black professional well, organization that's supposed to yeah. rally on behalf of their members? All of those black organizations uh the teas, the drinks, the food, the hot sauce, Smokey Robinson. Where's the black professional organization who, that's the reason that they're for, whose job is to rally on behalf of the well, that manufacturers? Is. That, 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 yeah, well, that has been the United American Progress Association agenda since its uh, 40 years of history is that they have led the Bad Black campaign, not just in wholesale distribution, but in retail as well. Uh, And as they do so, there is the, again, going back to our original point of reference, is advertising and marketing. So sometimes there are black products that want to hide the face of the owner uh, because they don't want to offend the other market customers. But then again, there's other times. Is that is that the right word you're using, offend? Or do you mean yeah, they had? Oh, okay. Well, offend uh, based on uh, offending will turn a person away from a product. Or okay. then, if they to avoid to offend, as you pointed out, they hide. They uh, hide because they they don't want the the, uh, the other uh, uh, consumers 
They don't want them to know they're black. No, they don't want them to know they're black. But let me get back to my question again. You listen to Black Wall Street USA. That's Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Districts, publishing editor of the South Street Journal. And this conversation is supposed to be on the Obama effect in a community conversation, and we're just going on down the line here. And and it's all relevant. Last week when we spoke to uh, Mr. Muhammad and Mr. Woods, Mr. Muhammad is from the Final Call, editor-in-chief, Telly Woods, co-founder of Think Positive Magazine. They spoke of, uh, at least I don't think Telly was involved in it, but Mr. Muhammad did spoke of the professional organization where the newspaper uh, members belong to, Black Professional Organization. You know the name of it. I don't. You can tell them in a minute. Fine. And that they had... That they went to, they had gone to some of the major retailers and asked them about the lack of advertising in the minority papers in the black community, uh, to put it bluntly, none. And uh, but they're using up the consumer dollars. The blacks are shopping there, but they're not investing in the uh, black print media communications. So. Now, that's what I'm referencing to. I know what you're saying that Dr. Webb does. They have a black professional organization that, excuse me, addresses those issues for them. Now, in, in that same vein and same light, uh, a young man posted on Facebook saying that I guess some blacks had rallied and got all up in the air and whatever the case may be and wanted an apology from Toyota. And Tyola refused to apologize uh, to blacks for not uh, investing in advertising and publishing in their communities. And, of course, and my response was they don't have to. They don't have to apologize. They don't have to do anything if they don't feel like it. Because if they did nothing, Ron, if they do nothing, did nothing, do nothing, never do anything, nothing, Blacks would march on over to Toyota and buy cars and be proud of it and play half pay their six year car note. So in rallying up and getting all upset and everything and yah yahing about it and chit chatting about it a little bit too, the end result is is gonna be what? He's gonna be at that store. Okay, now Target just opened up downtown. Uh, I think it was yesterday I passed by that. It looked like people was wandering around looking all nice and bright over there. I didn't get off yesterday. I may go down there and peep tomorrow. So now he's in another Target store. My answer to you before we did the show, what you doing over there, Ron Carter? I answered to you before we did the show in assisting him in doing this. Will he assist others in doing the same thing? Well, you know, there is a twofold. There's a twofold based on we do have to have parity in the promotion and advertising, but we do have a issue of by black. The um, you take the Ebony magazine. It cannot survive without white corporations. Um, And for the most part, any publication cannot survive without the conglomerate of um, major corporations advertising. Uh, So those 
corporations, if they they do have a a, a structure or strategy to a different market. And when I worked with the Chicago Defender, the advertising age, the advertising age magazine indicated the best way to get to the black consumer market is promotion, not direct advertising. They just recently, like Jewel Foods, used to advertise in black publications, but it was more of a corporate ad. They did not sell retail. They did not place retail ads. They placed a corporate ad for their image. They looked at the black consumer as uh, a dedicated, uh, loyal uh, consumer, opposed to other nationalities, looked at the best buy for their dollar. And why so, do you think that? Because there's so few choices, and they're dominating the choices in the black community. So they didn't have to assume that. They know that. Do they not, Ron? We're going to come back to this in a moment. Let's go to a break. Uh, we're going to come back. We're here tonight um, to discuss the Obama effect in the community conversation. That's the Chairman Ron Carter. I'm Sonia Cassandra Perdue. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with you. Hi, I'm Marcella Cohen of American Investor Realty. Tired of hearing the same old gloom and doom about Chicago's housing market? Well, there's good news for Chicago's savvy sellers. Sun Times featured article multiple bids, the housing market showing signs of life. That's right, sales are up and buyers are out of course. So let me make sold a reality for you. Call now, 641-715-3800, access code 27242. Hello, are you looking for a professional, entertaining, expressive vocal artist who performs selections from diverse genres, including classic R&B, pop standards, disco, jazz, rock, even country? You found her. I'm Crystalline, spelled C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-I-N-E, Charity. I have been performing at Chicagoland venues, large and small, for over a decade. Check me out with CJ's All-Star Review on YouTube and like me on Facebook. Thank you. I hope to see you soon. No money up front credit restoration. That's right. No money up front credit restoration. You pay once your items are removed. Get your credit fixed today. Call Karen Williams at 312-375-3224. Again, 312-375-3224. Wouldn't you just like to feel clean again? In Chicago and surrounding areas, Unique Towel Cleaning Service is the best cleaning service. We do basic cleaning and super cleaning, offices and apartment buildings. We will even clean your barber shop, your beauty shop, your spa or restaurant's towels and aprons. Call Unique Towel Cleaning Service at 773-484-5027. Ask us about our very special offer for our new clients. Call us at 773-484-5027 today and feel clean again. Bad credit can cost you. Did you know that banks, landlords, and even employers may check your credit? 
and a poor credit score can cost up to $250,000 in interest and fees over your lifetime. The good news is that the Chicago Credit Building Coalition, a community partnership of 11 nonprofit organizations and city, offers free financial training, one-on-one -on -one coaching, and access to the right financial tools. Call Regina Banks at 773-706-8915. That's 773-706-8915 today and build the credit you deserve. You're listening to Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, All Black, All News, Our Youth, for Thursday, July 26, 2012. Tonight's segment is Black Wall Street USA. Our host is Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street District, Chicago. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network and the producer for this show. Now, we know the Obama effect is in theaters across the country, and they, it premiered uh, beginning last week, week before. And we want to know uh, if you saw the movie or even the trailer and what you think. Can President Obama win a second term? Should he be elected again? And did you vote for him in 2008? Well, our door is open. We, uh, Ron and I have been talking about advertising and all across the board. I had like 20 more questions. <laughs> I had like 20 more questions for Ron. Uh, I could go on down the line with that part, but he was mentioning a couple of other things, and I'm going to come back to that. But I want to go to the caller on last four digits, seven. Six zero eight, and I want to welcome you to the show. And let me welcome the host back to the show. Good evening. Tell us uh, what's your name and where you're calling from. My name is Oak Summers, calling from Chicago. How you doing? We just talked uh, recently, uh, just today. And, well, we did. Uh, we did. I don't mind putting my business out in the street when you <laughs> made the comment. I hurt the feelings, brother. Sometimes that makes me feel good that I'm. Uh, alive to be able to do that. Well, welcome to the show. <laughs> what's your what's your comment or statement here? Man, I had I had three comments. The first was on the topic. Um, even though I did not see the Obama movie, I will say that I think that he has a great chance for reelection. Um, mm -hmm. And I I believe that because of the core um, constituents that he has. Um, when you're looking at a a, a a country that is made up of, of whites, of Christians, which aren't always the same thing, and of minority groups that support whites, which are like the Asians and things of that nature. And then you look at the, I want to call it, I don't want to say the subcultures, but, but the the minorities that they, they, they feel are downtrodden, like the blacks and the uh, and the the Latino community. Um because of the, the rapid rise of the Latino community and because of the, the strong, um, even though, to be honest, I think it's misguided. I think a lot of black people voted for Obama just because he was black. I've heard women say they voted for him just because he had a black wife. I think those are dumb reasons. They didn't know his, his, his format, his platform, anything. However, if you have even blind followers, you know, you have 51% of the vote. So because of that, I think that he can get reelected. Um but I wanted to address something that the, that the previous caller said about about um, the the lack of marketing, the lack of advertising, and the lack of of um, placement of minority goods and services in nationally syndicated chains. Um, I I do understand where he's coming from, and I do recognize and respect his point of view. 
but he's not talking as a person who's tried to get in the nationally syndicated chain. Um, what people don't understand is, unless you're selling, I mean, like for real selling, like you're doing good numbers, um, chains don't pick you up, not immediately, and not on their own, not independently. When you're a minority business, you have to come through under the Minority Business Act. Now, with Target and with Walmart, man, it is what it is, which is great for white women because they, they classify as minorities. But as the story progresses, when you're looking at that national change like Walmart, Target, or Best Buy, the Minority Business Act is as simple as this. What they tell you is we'll let you in for free if you get a letter from the Minority Business Council. The Minority Business Council will tell you, yeah, we'll give you a free letter if you're a member. And membership's only $500 plus $45 a month. So you've spent $545, basically, for a letter. And then you mm-hmm. have to use that letter and try to get in. So you have to buy your way in. You can't yeah. make money without spending money, so it is what it is. But they try to make it sound like it's free. And when they do these press releases and they do these, these interviews on TV, they'll tell you it's a free process, but it's not. It's half a grand. Mm-hmm. Easy. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, well, no, I, I definitely understand that, uh, even with uh, South Street Journal. We're not a member of the National Newspaper Publishers Association uh, because its, um, its guidelines is that you have to be a weekly publication. You have to have an audit, and an audit normally costs about $3,000, and then once you and, – and then you're not – a full-fledged member until approximately nine months after you actually be a part of it. So there is, you know, as you say, the the membership is more of what needs to be uh, looked at, and then it is sometimes uh, clicks uh, where they do indicate if – the corporation will come to a particular organization and say, well, who should we distribute this money to? So uh, just like any business, per se, is that you do it for your close associates who you look out for, uh, opposed to being fair across the board. Uh, But the newspaper, the black newspapers, do have a very sensitive um, development and non-development, just as newspapers overall or print publications overall do do not have that same uh, strength as they used to have. But, yeah, uh, there there is the clicks, there is the membership, there is the accountability uh, that the corporation should have to the black consumer and then again, I look at it. Sometimes uh, they don't. If you, you know, just like me, uh, in my business, uh, why should I advertise to a group of people that's already buying to me? But I will contradict myself as saying that's no different than um, who can I say the uh, 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 any product like McDonald's. You know, you stay in people's face, um, you know, to the point that their children is going to buy even if you don't buy. So. I I think that's different, though. That's different. When you're looking at publication, and I say that as a publisher, we do, we have Crusader Publishing here, we do, you know, novels and self-help books, kids' books, things of that nature. When you, when you look at novels, especially urban novels, 
you're looking at what's your targeted demographic. And most urban novels, I hate to say it, no matter what it's about, they got some half-naked chick on it. Like publication books? Like novels. publications. Like if you okay. publicize novels, self-help books for blacks, you know what I'm saying, whether it's T.D. Jakes or, or Steve Harvey, or mm-hmm. or children's books that are minority-based, Latino, whether they're Hispanic books, you know, written in Spanish, or they're black, you know, basically black books. You're looking at what your targeted audience is, and you're looking at an audience of people that, to be honest, everyone reads white literature. Blacks read black literature, and white folks that want to be black read black literature, but even that's just women. Black men don't normally buy fiction, and they don't normally buy um, buy kids' books. They buy self-help books, and they buy magazines and periodicals, but they don't normally buy a lot of things that you will see in a Best Buy or a Target. So because they don't have that purchasing power, they don't have that purchasing base, if you don't have support from your base, then I really don't have a reason to advertise to your base, and I understand that. <laughs> but at the same time, when you're looking at other um, other goods and services that are, are done by blacks, it still comes down to the same thing. You know, can you lock down your block? Will everybody on your block come to you to get their car fixed if you're an auto mechanic? Will everybody on your block buy a candy bar if you are here supporting your kids' basketball team? And if you can't lock down your block, your community, your city, then advertising to them won't really do any good. It'll just make you name brand. It'll make you popular, and everybody will know you, but you still won't make money. And they're so in the business of business. What is your publication? What do you publish? We public uh we publish uh books and magazines. Okay. Mhm. Well, I probably need to talk to you because as a matter of fact even Sonya probably needs to talk to you based on uh uh she is you are gonna be putting out another book, aren't you, uh, Sonya? Yes, I'm scheduled to put out another book uh March of next year. Oh, right, yeah, and I'm also in the midst of uh, uh, writing a book on uh, South Street Journal, so we definitely need to talk about those things. Definitely. And, uh, you know, and because we definitely want to move forward on that. It's something that we've been in the, in the works for about uh, three years now. Uh, so, but when you're looking at publishing the uh, books, per se, are you also publishing periodicals or magazines? Or we, we, we've gotten into magazines, periodicals. I'll say this, though, because, honestly, my concentration has gotten off of publishing and gotten on to us producing a game show. We want to bring the first game show to Chicago, um, and that, that takes a lot of my concentration. But I will say this. In the, years the game show, are you talking about a live? Uh, we're, talking live we're talking live. We're talking live. Well, not Family Feud. We're talking live. Oh, it's uh, something when I use that. Price example, is right. We, we're talking live. Okay. Price is right. Will of Fortune. Okay. Um, mm. Okay. You know, and and that's something that, but with the way that we're designing it, we'll need uh, community support for that. But everything mm-hmm. we do follows the same format, and it's this: mm-hmm. you have to put yourself in a position to bring a service to someone else. So um, I already knew coming into this that our novels would not sell. We do everything we can to get great distribution lines, but I already knew our novels wouldn't sell um, because because they're urban novels and because they're very male-oriented, some of them, and men don't buy novels. So we already knew that. Um, well, you're, so, uh, tar- wait a minute. You're, you're targeting a novel 
regarding men, but you're saying men don't buy novels. Where, what am I missing here? You're not missing anything. The truth of the matter is the truth of the matter. But the truth is, but but what we did to 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 um compensate that is we tried to find ways that we can get paid to give them away. So we started mentoring programs and um and and, and mentoring sponsorships with elementary schools as a as a vessel to be able to use our kids' books in their schools as part of the curriculum. We talked okay. to the the um the Cook County Jail, which has ten thousand inmates at any given time and ask them not only if we could start an inmate book club, which we would sponsor these same books for black men who are locked up. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a great avenue. And and also use them as a reference. There's 52 county jails in, in Illinois. There are over 3,600 county jails in America. So if we had to do a county jail book tour, we cool with that. You know, we, fa- we had to find other avenues in order to distribute our work. And, and not well, that be able is target marketing, so you definitely, definitely understand your market and you understand how you're going to get your publications to a confined market, if I can use that type of term, based to uh, be your publication net. That is a confined market where it's easy to accessible, it's not moving, it's not going nowhere. It's more like right in there. I guess you can't get no better target market. You can't get a better target. You can't. It's impossible. So then we started we're going to do a magazine. We actually started publishing a magazine called Convict Cooking, which takes all the recipes that people do in jail and make a cookbook. Convict Cooking? Convict Cooking magazine. We actually got it. When I think of Convict Cooking, I'm thinking about the movie, uh, I think it was Wise Guys. No, they had real good cooking. It was Italians. No, convict cooking yeah, is normally. I'm thinking about when you say convict cooking. I'm thinking about convicts in the kitchen in their cells cooking. And they do that, and they do that with with ramen noodles and summer sausage and a vegetable here and there, and they concoct these fantastic meals, you know, in order to facilitate the fact that they don't like jail food and they want to have some semblance of home. And and these I mean, Mexicans make great pizzas, black folks make great soups. There's a you know, um and everybody has their own their own niche. Everybody brings something to the table. And we compiled a, a listing of all the things that inmates cook and we made a cookbook from it. But in addition to that we also had political satire. We also had um you know uh Things about uh, their constitutional rights. We have up and coming artists from the Midwest who do interviews with us, so we have an entertainment section. So, what Things are you are, on a social mission or you are on a conscious business uh, direction? Where, where are you here? Neither. Neither. I'm, I, we, Neither? What we do it. What we do is you can you can call it both, but they're both byproducts of the main goal. The main goal, number one, is to move units and do it in in a way in which fits our marketing plan. And our marketing plan is based on how can we get people to buy these periodicals and books so that we can give them away. Because we don't want to just give them away. Nobody can afford that. But we do want to, we want to be compensated, but we want to get our word out there. But in addition to that, the way that we structure our marketing plan, it allows people who wouldn't necessarily have an opportunity to eat we give them an opportunity to to get referral bonuses, to um 
and to do a, a lot of other different things, if, you know, with the kids or, or with people that come home and they're trying to be reintegrated into society, we give them an opportunity to join the, the marketing team and put a couple of dollars in their pocket. You know, this is, if, if you would like to know our, 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 our big vision, our big vision is this. In order to eat, you must feed. You, you can't wait, do anything. Wait, 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 let me get this straight. In order to eat, you must feed. How about if in order to eat, you get food? So how, you know, I'm, I'm playing around with your words. What are you, what are you saying? In order to eat, you must Breaking up on me, my friend. Okay. To, you said in, in to eat, you must feed. I'm thinking feed is that you're feeding others opposed to eating. Exactly right. Okay. Exactly. See, like the, the the perfect analogy would be everybody likes pie. I like sweet potato pie. Everybody likes pie. Yeah, Normally, I like apple pie. Yeah, apple pie is America's pie. Mm-hmm. When you cut a pie, you slice it into eight pieces. So let oh. us let let us say pie is life. You need an entire pie in order to be whole. You need a whole pie. You really do. However, life takes away slices. Bills take away a slice. Kids take away a slice. Activities and entertainment takes away a slice. Those three slices right now. Now you're down to five from eight. You have other social responsibilities that might take two or three slices. Out of eight slices of pie of life, you'll only leave every day with three slices. And you'll always continuously be working hard in order to get more pie so you feel whole. Mm-hmm. Our philosophy is instead of trying to get all eight slices out of one pie, let's take two slices out of four pies, and we're still whole, and we still fed maybe twenty, eighteen, twenty-four other people. Everybody's eating. You know, it, it, it's not important for us to have a, a, a dollar. It's important for us to have a quarter out of every dollar, and, and that's how everybody feels needed. Everybody eats, and everybody is willing to contribute to what you're doing because they reap a benefit from what you're doing, even if they're so selfish that they can't see that they're some part, uh, a part of something bigger, which, I'm, you know, this is a conversation that we're it's not off topic, but I hear people say they're independent women, and I say, how are you independent? I work. Okay, that's fine, but you work for someone else who had to give you an opportunity to feed yourself, so you're still a part of a bigger cog. Even if you're selfish enough to believe that you're independent and you're doing everything on your own, you're still feeding somebody else because somebody put that opportunity available for you to take well, it. Well, that is a that, – that's – as you bring that up, it really kind of gets back to the um, uh, uh, issue because – You're breaking up, Ron. Oh, okay. That okay. is sure. something that uh, Obama and Romney has been debated, where Obama took the position that in order to – uh, for the big corporations, the leaders did not make the corporation. It was the people that worked for it. And and uh, Mitt Romney takes a position: if it wasn't for the head of the corporation, that the that the uh, the workers would not be fed. So it's a debate based on who is the important in this here scenario. Is it the the owner or the head of, uh, say, a corporation, 
for the people that work for the corporation. That is a political debate, per se. I don't know how long that's going to continue, uh, but how do you relate to that? Do you, you know, who's important, the head that started the business or it is the people that work for the business? Um, I think it's a I think it's a mixed bag, but I will say this. To in order to answer your question, um, I'm I'm gonna say, I'm not sure if people remember MCI Worldcom or or um or Enron or anything like that, but all of those companies were were built by people who had nothing. They were lower middle class workers who had the courage to try something different, and they had the the pizzazz and the swag to get people to follow along with what they were saying. MCI Worldcom was started by a garbage man. And when when they finally went defunct, he was over $346 million. And he got bought out, and this company went bankrupt, but he ain't broke. All his employees got broke, but he ain't broke. And and But he started off as a garbage man. And, and everybody has the opportunity. That's what's so wonderful about America. Everyone has the opportunity. If they have the courage and the know-how, they have the opportunity to to start something. And as as the Bible states, if you if you if you build something, people will follow. And they built something, and people followed it, and they were compensated from it. So to say that that you know that the fact that he built it, um, it wouldn't have been anything without the people that were compensated, is is a negligible fact. Just like you're saying that the people that were compensated, you know, they made the business, which is true, but it's still negligible because everybody knows the secretary knows more than a boss. Secretary runs the office. Everybody knows that, you know. But but the boss made the opportunity for the secretary to have a job and to take control of the office. So you know, it's six in one hand, half dozen the other. You know, the chicken or the egg, whatever you want to say. Let me just interject something here, if I can, please. You listen to Black Wall Street USA. That's Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Districts and publishing editor of the South Street Journal. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, and this is Mr. Summer Oak uh, on the line, editor and publisher. And I want to go back and uh, discuss uh, what you were saying about you knew you weren't going to make any money off of what you were doing. But you were going to make money off of it. You were just going to market it in a different way and obtain the funds, not directly from the selling of the line, but by byproducts of other programs that you were doing. And I was having this discussion, Ryan, with someone else. So you could see this in our new packages that we're doing, Mr. Summer. Uh, and it's where the concepts of how I started putting the marketing packages together, Ryan. I had picked up a book called Free out of the library, and I shared it with this young man who does voiceovers in New York, and this is what he's doing, Mr. Summers. And I told him I was reading it like a, a Bible, but I haven't even got past the past first chapter, third chapter, but I, I got the concept, okay? And so what he did, uh, and you can go online and download this book at, uh, you can go down and, go and download the free audio at www.hyperionbooks.com slash free. And you can download that. But the concept is the same marketing concept that you're using. Give give everything away free and get the byproduct of it. And in what the uh, Cool Voice Radio is doing, he started making all of these videos on how to do voiceovers. Although he trains people to do this, 
He's not giving away the whole boat. But he also works as an agent. So if he can start getting them trained, he can make the money off of being an agent. He may not make the money off of being a trainer, which is more work and more time probably for him. But if they can start watching his little video training for free, excuse me, when they're ready, he could be their agent. He could try and find them something for his 20, 30, 40%, whatever it is that he's charging. So, Ryan, when I start putting these packages together, I know these packages are priced for much more than what they're worth. We have a press release in there with a distribution list of 1,000 plus media outlets, and that's in in a webinar form. We're going to help people create and write their own press stories. We have three business cards, ads in the South Street Journal newspaper. We have a copy of my book in the uh, package for them, and there's also a bonus gift. Uh, should I tell them what the bonus gift is? A bonus gift is a half-hour interview and slideshow page for your business on our network, and you get to keep the whole page, have a slideshow, share with your clients and customers. Now, that that package is valued at much, 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 much more than the $145 that we're charging. Uh, they're getting a great promotional package for a few dollars. But we get to work with and meet some great people that we would not normally meet and work with if we priced it at what it was truly was. We also get to serve the community uh, and small businesses and help them grow. And when they grow, they're happy and they send us other people. So in the concept of free, that's the book, free, the future of radical pricing. How do you price your product? So uh, can I have some feedback from that on Mr. Summers? Sure. Um, that's cool stuff. I would say the best people to do that, and this, and to be honest, this is who I mirror our marketing around, the music industry. There is no greater promotion in the music industry. There is None. A video is nothing but a four-minute commercial for your song. You get paid nothing. Now, because of the way that um, digital downloads are um, and how you can self-publish, there there's a demise in, in, in record labels. I mean, totally. There's a total demise. So you have a lot of independent artists, and they're only the only goal they have is to get popular. That's it. Because they feel that their money will come from show money. They may not sell many downloads. As a matter of fact, they give their music away free on things like Reverb Nation and Spotfly and things like that. But the bigger the buzz they get, the more marketable they are because the more popular they are. And the more popular they are, the more likely they are to get booked for shows and, and, and award shows and things of that nature and get paid. And everything now is about performance, not necessarily about the craft. And and what you're saying is very similar to that. Um when we started doing the publishing, um, I, I networked very heavily, and, and I'm like in everybody's face. And, and honestly, because I did mirror the music marketing forum, I really shied away from book clubs. Um, I shied away from public, you know, uh, other publishers and, and sharing things like that. And I talked to musicians. I talked to, um, I talked to promoters. I talked to radio stations. And I have a great relationship with, um, for people that's listening in Chicago, with 92.3, um, a, a, a lukewarm um, relationship with, with 
WGCI, um, very good with college radio stations like Columbia College um, or WNUA at Northwestern or KKC on the south side because these are the people that are going to market your tools. These are the people that are going to tell the other people that are in that listening broadcast, that guy right there is hot and you need to support him. And these are the relationships we built. We built a relationship that even now when we're working on a game show, because of the way that we're marketing the game show, um, we're marketing it through independent TV stations, um, people who have put up the money to get a 30-minute block on DirecTV or on Comcast, um, and they'll they'll syndicate our show. Um, we've built relationships with uh, vent with 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 um, with clubs and event managers and, and promoters, so we can go in and we get free vent. And 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 when I say free, people who ever had a service, they understand that you're going to spend anywhere between thirty-five to seventy-five dollars for a vendor station. And if you get a vendor station and you're selling something that costs twenty bucks, you might sell two that whole night. So you spend seventy-five dollars and you made forty, and you end up and you're you're in the rear. But you got good marketing because you were there. The relationships we have that we found that we have free vendor stations at a lot of locations. So, you know, you're looking at and and you guys and me, we're we're in the publishing business. It, it doesn't make sense for me to go to Barnes and Noble and spend four hundred and fifty dollars to do a book signing, and might have two people that come through and actually sit down and talk to me, when I can go to a club and expect to sell nothing. I don't expect to sell a thing because people come to party, but you have anywhere between 400 to 2,000 people at the club that see me, that see the logo, that see the books. So a couple people might buy, most people won't, but now I'm in their head, and this this is the way that we, we brand ourselves. Um, and branding, it a lot of times, is more important than the actual sale. You know, it, it's more important to be Nike and to be recognized, no matter how ugly your shoes are, that, man, people will buy them because they're Nikes than it is to, to have a quality service that only a few know of. Like, for instance, there's a a, a, um, a company, a clothing company, by the name of, uh, I think their name is Lola. Don't quote me on that. But they have one location. Their one location is on Roosevelt and, and, and uh, Morgan. It's like a fortress to get in, so there's no walk-in traffic. If you don't know about it, you won't come. And they sell $40 T-shirts. Two hundred dollar um, vests, eighty dollar baseball hats, and they have a very exclusive clientele. But me knowing, me talking to the owners, I realized that they got their start from a gentleman named Jay Boogie. And for people who know Jay Boogie from the from the nineties, Jay Boogie was the man. He was a man who never even did music, but he was in uh, the Bratz Funkify video. Jay Boogie was that dude, and Jay Boogie had all of these high income friends. By the way, Jay, I'm not going to put Jay Bennis out there, but Jay knew a lot of dope dealers. I ain't going to say what Jay did, but Jay knew a lot of dope dealers. So people supported Jay because they knew he was and they knew his swag, and he, he was able to sell a $40 T-shirt in the 90s to people, you know, that had that type of money. And now to this day, they've they've cultivated, and now they have a lot of comedians. They have a lot of movie stars. They have a lot of great musicians and actors that wear their clothes just so people say, man, what are you wearing? They say, man, this is Lola. And it's something that, that is so exclusive. But exclusivity comes with a price. And, and inclusivity comes with a price. But the way that they brand it, they brand it themselves as, you know, as as, as how they, like, a, like I can't remember the, the name of the Asian woman who makes the, the wedding dresses. But she has a distinctive, you know, if you have her dress when you're getting married, you have something exclusive, but everybody can't purchase one. 
you know what I'm saying? And that's how they market their thing. Our market is different. Our market is for the every man. But we, we try to we try to make it so that everyone is accessible to what we do. Um, on a personal level, and I'm just talking personally, on a personal level I do a million and one radio shows, you know, I get featured out on occasion. Um, I've done independent movies. As a matter of fact, we have a movie premiere coming up next week at the theater on 87th and uh, at the Ice Theater on 87th and the Dan Ryan. Um, you know, I've, I've done shows. I've done a lot of things on a personal level to make my own and, personal stock up. And what's the movie up. that's coming up? The, the name of the movie is actually a Jay Davis movie. It's called Shots Fired. I have a small cameo in it, um, but Jay Davis also has, and 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 in addition to his film. Um, his film studio. He also has a radio show, so I've been on his show a couple of times. We've we've always networked, um, and we have a great working relationship and and, and a pretty cool personal relationship. Um, but these but these are the things that that we had to do. We had to, to to make those personal relationships work. We had to make those business relationships into personal relationships, so you can get the favors that you need in order to make. The business relationships work, and those are the things that you have to do. And when you're dealing with with big conglomerates like a Target, you have to you have to go through the chain of commands, but you have to have that buzz, you know. It, because what they ask you for, they ask you for three things. They ask you for your merchandise. Are you ready? They ask you for number two, especially if you're a small business like you know minority businesses normally are. They ask you for some type of someone to co-sign you, which is normally the Minority Business Council. And then they ask, man, what have you done? What's your portfolio? And you have to have that portfolio. You can't say, I just wrote this book called ABC123. You have to say, man, I did ABC123. I was at 17 elementary schools. I did a concert. We did the back-to-school parade. You have to have some type of, of, of media kit. To to back your product and to back your your endorsement in order for them to pick you up, and that's what a lot of people don't understand. And it's it's true. It's different. It's difficult to unilaterally have a big corporation that just give money to everyone who's deserving, and they don't care about the quality of your work because they don't look at your work. They don't look at your clothes. They don't read your books. They look at the quality of your manufacturing because they don't have time to look at everything. And they look at the quality of manufacturing. If it's something that is quality enough to put in their store, because that's what they're known for, and they look for how much fanfare you have. And if you don't have the sales to back it up, you have to have the fanfare. Everybody better know you. If you move and they, three they're looking at and they're looking at their bottom line. You listen to Black Wall Street USA. Our host is Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. Ron, are you there? I'm here. I'm taking it oh, all in. Just sitting in the cup. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back. Mr. Summer, you can stay with us. And because we haven't heard uh, Ron spill on the Obama effect, effect, and I want to hear that. We'll be right back. Please stay with us uh, just a moment. When I was hurt in my car crash, the insurance company kept calling me, but something didn't feel right, so I called Mr. DeSalvo. If you've been hurt in an accident, don't sign any papers or talk to any insurance company until you talk to me first. Call me now. Call 888-HURT-318. All callers get my injury DVD and book for free, so call me now. Call toll-free. Call 888-HURT-318. That's 888-HURT-318. Partners in Community Building focuses on credit building, financial literacy, and home ownership for residents throughout Chicago and Illinois. All of our services are free. 
Call 312-328-0873 to get additional information on our homeownership counseling, rental assistance, Cook County foreclosure mediation, and small accessible repairs for seniors programs. PCIB is a HUD-certified nonprofit counseling agency committed to addressing the housing needs of all people. Call 312-328-0873 to schedule an appointment or visit us at www.pcibchicago.org. Tired, stressed out, or just need me or we time? Then Phoenix Risen, Baltimore's exclusive bed and breakfast, is the place for you. Phoenix Risen offers an unforgettable, rejuvenating experience with exquisite guest rooms. Find peace and calm in the Sedona Room or Haitian Room, or relax in front of a marble fireplace in the Serengeti Room. Call 410-462-2692 today to schedule your escape to Phoenix Risen. Visit us online at phoenixrisen.com. In this, her first romance novel, State of Ecstasy, Jew Ephraim finds passion on the lush island of Martinique. Reminiscent of the works of Cleopas and Lawrence, Jew Ephraim's rich emotional landscape delivers an achingly accessible complexity that makes State of Ecstasy steamy, provocative, and fresh, and its author a forceful new voice who brings an entirely new level of heat to romance. With her soon-to-be-released paranormal novel, Ephraim is giving us a brand new insight into this genre. Find her books on Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Do you have a loved one who's away at an Illinois Correctional Center that would love to see you today? Let Heartstrings Express assist you. We offer two visits back-to-back. These visits include an overnight hotel stay. Visit Heartstrings, the number two, ilcorrectioncenters.com or call us now at 708-450-8252. That's 708 708- Four five zero eight two five two. Hello, this is Prentice L. Allison, founder and president of SPSI, Service Perfect Solutions Incorporated, a network of financial service professionals teaching people how to use life insurance and annuities to retain more of their income and pay the least tax on it. Our toll-free number is 877 we are proud to have serviced more than 500 clients, national and international, from ages 0 to 99 for the past 30 years. My tip to you today is, if you are a business owner with at least one employee, including yourself, it would behoove you to get business life insurance. Why? Thank you for asking. Seven points I want to leave with you. Your premiums are tax deductible. Your policy bills cash tax deferred. Your cash reserve inside the policy is yours to use tax-free. The policy will replace your income if death occur prematurely. The company will pay the premiums if you become disabled. The policy will return all premiums to you when you retire. Last but not least, make sure your agent is well experienced in business life insurance. Stay tuned for more tips on how to use life insurance and annuities to help yourself today and protect your family and business tomorrow. This is Prentice L. Allison, President of SPSI. Toll-free number is 877-902-9048. I wish you well, and to God be the glory. 
You're listening to Chicago's Black Business Radio Network. Tonight's segment is Black Wall Street USA. Our host is Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street District Chicago and publisher and editor of the South Street Journal. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network. And tonight's topic is the Obama effect. And uh, we've jumped all around, and Mr. Oak Summer is with us here also. Before we go back into the topic, Ron, because I want to hear your spill on the Obama effect, just call him everything, oh, the Obama effect, uh, you have something coming up on the 31st. Could you tell our audience what you have coming up? Well, we have a district meeting of uh, the Black Wall Street district. Uh, that's going to be Tuesday, July uh, 31st, um, and we're gathering to get an assessment of the city's position on our Black Wall Street uh, direction for the uh, 20 districts in Chicago, as well as the parity legislation, and also bringing on outside of Chicago, uh, Gary, Indiana, and the uh, south, sub- south suburbs which want to expand South Street Journal to the suburbs as well as Black Wall Street. Um, One thing about when we uh, kind of formed uh, Black Wall Street, there was the, the, uh, it's Obama, I'm going to say, what year Obama got elected? 08? Is that correct? Okay, so we formed about, uh, we formed the Black Wall Street in 2007. At the time of his election uh, and his campaign, he focused on Wall Street to Main Street, and that's when he, the, the government was bailing out all the corporations. And So definitely corporations, big businesses, benefited, especially, well, two major industries, the financial industry and the auto industry benefited from the Obama effect. The corporations of the financial institutions and the auto industry have not publicly took a position on how the Obama effect saved those two major industries in the United States. Uh, So we're looking at the Obama effect to the streets. Um, Mr. Um, uh, Charles, uh, he indicated when he was on the program, was that the movie The Obama Effect a strategic move? And he indicated, yes, it was a strategic move to have the, the massive run of the movie in October. And he did not apologize for it. And so and he wanted to give the people a a sense of the spirit of the as related to this one man, but he also wanted people to kind of recap how they felt Obama was elected. Is the movie is going to kind of spin off on the people in October. This thing 
Yeah. You breaking up? You breaking up, Ron? Oh, so, uh, Sonia, you had some experience as you talked about the 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 blogging and the uh, the facebooking and the youtubing that the the cause of Obama have put out there in the public because of the movie and that the well, that's nothing new. It's nothing new. Well, you so know, they've been talking about him, talking about him like a dog since he started, and before he started. You know, so that that's just nothing new. It just gives them something else to focus on and and, and target on. You but know, I don't. You think I don't. That they they are being effective, or they're just stabilizing their base to offshoot the possibility of the movie Obama effect. Absolutely, absolutely. They're okay. putting them in place. Uh, they're putting themselves in place, and people are putting others in place and paying people to be in place so that they can diminish whatever value they think that they're going to have off that movie and the effect of the movie. So, yes, Right now, in this time and space, they are effectively planning how they're going to diminish that as much as much as they can. Because, see, the bottom line to for it, we're not supposed to have any feel-good moments. See, there's no feel-good moments for us. There's no proud moments for us, like the day after Harold was first election. No, there's no pride for you. Let's let's knock him down as much as we can, as disrespectful as we can, do as much as we can, because there's no reason for us to have pride. Because people will pride, people will pride rise up. They think in a different way. They carry themselves in a different way. They conduct themselves in a different way. They have different goals. They try to accomplish things in a different way. They are different people, and they there is no way that we should feel. Proud. We have nothing to feel proud about, so we're told. But I also didn't know, Mr. Summer, that uh, I heard it from you that a uh, black woman voted for him because he, he married a black woman. But I, I just didn't know that. But I Well, the white he, woman he, voted for him because he looked cute? Probably some of them did. They're probably wishing for a little Obama. But I do know <laughs> if he had a been... <laughs> If she had been white, he would not have gotten elected. He wouldn't have gotten the black vote. Uh, that would have been. He would not be president. I can almost. I can almost say that for sure. I almost say that before. He would not be president. So he did. It was a political move on his part, as well. I don't know if I should say that about that young man. But anyway, it was a political move on his part as well. It was a smart move because he would not have been president, and he may not have even have been senator or congressman. And I'm just saying that. But you know how black women are. But if I say what the Obama effect is, I'm not in the political. Say that again. That was a slide joke. That's okay. Go ahead. I'll listen to it because he always, he does that. I'll have to go back and listen to that little part of the tape to see what what little smart remark you said. But anyway. Almost made me forget what I was going to say. But I'm not politically kind. I stay out the political arena, Mr. Summer. But I, the effect for me, I think, Ron, I think after election there was a picture of him with his two little daughters, and they had two little braids in their hair, and all I could say was little black girls in the White House. Because, see, we always think about what the adults think, and I think what, the, what little black girls think watching those little black girls in the White House 
with their two little braids on their head looking just like them, you know. Um, I think that has unspoken value as to what the effect of that is, okay? Not only that, when I look at, uh, you know, just a family portrait, you know, I know they paint that perfect picture, you know. Who knows what goes on behind closed doors. But it is a good family, perfect, you know, a wonderful image, uh, to to put forth to the black race, and I'm going to add this one other thing that impressed me more than all the politics. I'll let you and Mr. Summer talk about the political part. There was a photo when when uh, President Obama was running for office in '08. I haven't been involved this time because I was I was tearing up some out there on YouTube, and I said I was just being real ugly out there. I was just going in. I was all into the fight, and I was slashing and cutting, and I was all up with it. But this time I've kind of backed off from it, okay? I'm not, I'm not in the midst and boxing and throwing punches and, you know, back and forth with these people as they throw out these remarks in that time. But in 2008, I was right up in there with them, swinging left, right, and I'm I'm good at it. It's Ron have a sassy mouth, and I'm kind of good at that. But I made a little video. <laughs> I had me a little Obama video. Oh my goodness, I didn't know how far I went. I had a video, but uh, for the president, did my little thing. I'm gonna go find that. But I thought I think one of the most impressive things for me. What you doing over there, Ron? Painting or eating? Or what you doing? Walking the dog? But anyway, one of the most impressive things. For me, Mr. Summer was uh, when he was running for office. He went to different communities and, and met with a lot of different people, but our people would not have gotten to meet a presidential candidate on the level that they got to meet our now president, now president, Mr. Obama. He was at a daycare center. Whereas he was standing on the balcony, and they took pictures with all these little black kids around him and some of the little workers there, the, the uh, daycare workers and assistants and teachers. And he had his little black child in his arm and little black children all around. And no, in our history, and maybe never in our history again, would any presidential candidate or president ever have been that comfortable in that type of situation and that natural uh in that particular type of situation, and it's just a picture that I can never, never forget, that when we, to say, crossed the Atlantic or drug across the Atlantic, came through the Middle Passage, we had hierarchy. We had royalty and all these types of things. And we had traditions and cultures and Things And we were entitled to it. We knew that we were entitled to these things. And so that was one of the things that was so impressive with me, watching the now president on that balcony with those little children. Thank you so much. I'll turn it back over to you. Well, when we look at the Obama effect um, and we look at the timing of when the movie will be released throughout the nation, there is the uh, um, the thought which uh, Mr. Dutton did not hide from that it was politically motivated to release the movie at that time. Um, but the question that we uh, rose to him when he was on the program was that correct? Was it um, is it something that 
a lot more need to be done uh, to use the strength of the commercial media to entice a voter type of results. Um, uh, Brother Oak, how do you feel about uh, that type of uh, scenario? His line, his line, his line is there and it's open, but he may. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, could you repeat that for me? Okay. The Obama effect, the movie, uh, Mr. Dutton indicated that he definitely strategically used it for his political views. Uh, the question is, when we're talking about the influence of the media. Do you think that it was appropriate, and it should it be more appropriate, that entertainers use their influence in the movies for a certain turnout of political uh, expediency? Yes, definitely, unequivocally. If you if you cannot use your platform to push your ideas, what can you use it for? If if I want to say all black people are dumb, I'll make a sambo. If I want to say that all black people get abused, for instance, I watched the movie Higher Learning the other day. White boy come on the roof, shoot all type of black folks. Uh, Omar Epps goes up to beat up the white folks, and the, 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 the white security beats him up, puts him in handcuffs, and let the white killer go. You know, there's there's a mean if you wanna if you wanna push your social agenda and you have a platform, no matter what it is, use it, whether it's right or wrong. Everybody does it. You whether it's right or wrong, um, so um, there is no well one concern with political influence uh, through the media is Fox News. So are you saying that Fox News is justified by being anti-Obama? Yes, because I watch CNBC, who is pro-Obama. Everybody has a choice. I, I listen to um, uh, Savage. I don't listen to Rush Limbaugh. Everybody has a choice, and, and everybody is is suspect of propaganda. Um, but I don't see a problem with it. The problem comes when a person doesn't agree with you. I have a problem with every black person being a Democrat, when Republicans have done more for blacks historically than a Democrat ever has. Lincoln was a Republican. Grant, who gave us the right to vote, was a Republican. I'm not a Republican, but I'm just saying this is true. Um, People listen to the propaganda. People listen to what's popular, and those are the things that people – people believe. I believe that there's no difference between this movie and when um what is his name? Michael Moore uses his movies and documentaries to talk about nine eleven, how it was a conspiracy by George Bush or or any other other platform that people use. That's what it's for. It's it's and, and it's but exactly what this is, to create dialogue and to have people think. The the problem that I have and, and I have fundamental problems with Obama. And I like Obama, and I don't want to say who I vote for, but if I said it, I said I vote for Obama. But this is my problem with Obama, and my problem with Obama is the same problem that I had with Harold Washington, even though I was too young to vote for Harold, but I know who he is. They're so bipartisan, but they're so scrutinized. For instance, one of the biggest stars to ever make it to the White House was Ronald Reagan. 
can you tell me who was the performers at the Ronald Reagan inauguration in 1981? Mm-hmm. Probably I can't not. Recall. Oh, oh, Sammy Davis, wasn't it? If he if he was, it's news to me. No, saying George Herbert Bush is one of the richest people in Dallas, and even in a recession that which we're in right now, they're building in Fort Worth, man. Dallas is building big buildings. I was just down there last year building big buildings while we foreclosed the houses in Chicago. Do, do you know who Rich Rich George Herbert had? No, but you know that that Jay Z and Beyonce and Ludacris and everybody else was at the White House when Obama's there. He's one of the most scrutinized. My problem with Obama, and I'm hoping that he rectifies this in the second term if he gets the second term. And this may be my, this may be my only two problems with Obama. Problem number one is you waited two and a half years to do something. You were so bipartisan. And you were being blocked so many times. It took you until last November to start using executive authority to get things done. I think that that was, you know, that that's just learning the ropes, though. But he did do it, and I applaud him for that. My second thing is that everybody takes care of home. Cali is good because of Ronald Reagan. Even though Ronald Reagan was born in Illinois, he ain't bringing no bread to Illinois. And nobody in Dixon, Illinois, got money. He made He made Hollywood rich. You know, George Herbert made sure that Dallas was rich. You know what I'm saying? The same thing with his son. You know what I'm saying? Even though they say George W. didn't run the White House. You know what I'm saying? Let's say Dick Cheney did. Dick Cheney had a no. A well, you no, don't think that um, Obama, uh, Obama is internally taking care of uh, Rahm Emanuel based on his closest. As a matter of fact, you can't get no closer than being the chief of staff to the president of the United States. And knowing exactly how to manipulate uh, federal funding to his particular city, uh, no. you don't think that there's some no. type of partnership no. that uh, no. I haven't even seen if part? I haven't seen it yet. I understand where you're going with it, and I, in principle, I agree. But I don't see it yet, and I'll tell you why. When you look at Rahm Emanuel, I, I, I'm not even gonna say anything racist. Call him a Jew, but Rahm Emanuel. Did, but anyway, go ahead. It, it is what it is. <laughs> Rahm Emanuel has to be one of the worst mayors that we had at the time because his entire his he has no empathy. He has no concept of the city in which he represents. He never stayed in the city in which he represented and he doesn't do things in a dilatarian fashion for the city he represents. His only job is to make sure the budget is black. And that takes away education. That takes away community services. That takes away from a lot of things. That that brings laws that are unnecessary laws in order to make people criminals. Um, there are that 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 brings something as simple as is we're gonna put parking meters on 79th Street. I mean, he does a lot of things to generate revenue, but doesn't generate jobs. It doesn't generate income. It doesn't generate a positive spin in this constituency, which is making it look real good for Jerry Chico, but I ain't got nothing to do with that. Did Obama take care of Emanuel? Yes. When Emanuel wasn't even able to be on the ballot, did Obama step in and say, check this out, man. Y'all kicked him off the ballot. I'm going to put him right back on before we even have a chance for the U.S. Um, Senate to even listen to the case. And you can write in and vote for him. Yeah, Obama did that. I know it was Obama influence. Obama took care of his boy, but his boy didn't take care of Chicago. And if Obama, if you have that type of influence, it's your job to make sure your people take care of Chicago. 
You know what I'm saying? And, and we're looking at the first president that I know of that has lived in the city. You know, most of these presidents have, they're already rich. When they're in the Senate, they're already rich. Obama lived in Hyde Park. You don't get more hood than that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. He right there with, with, with the rich, with, well, not rich, but he with the middle class black folks, the, the urban white folks, the black stones, the gays, the graffiti artists. There's, Hyde Park is America. Hyde Park is a melting well, pot of the city. Do you think that he will, um, uh, as some presidents, when they get their second term, they're able to do their own agenda, but has been walking the fence the first term to be able to actually do his uh, agenda, uh, not caring what the his opponents may think. Or is he want to maintain a certain image for fifty years from now? I I hope he does, but I doubt that he does. And the reason I say that is because he is the the protege of Harold Washington, who was the the the, the biggest bipartisan cat ever. Why do you want to call him the protege for Harold Washington? Did I don't think he was in Chicago when Harold Washington was married. He was working for Acorn. He helped Harry Washington get elected. He was part of the the internship and the volunteer staff for Harry Washington. He came okay. to Chicago and got under Harry. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Harold was his dude, and I don't have a problem with Harry Washington being your dude because Harry Washington was a great mayor. He was a great Chicago mayor. He wasn't a good black mayor, but he was a great. Well, I do believe that Harold was a a black mayor. I don't. I, think I believe that. Harry Washington was black. I don't think he was an. No, no. I, I said black, not being black. I believe that he was actually a black mayor. Uh, I think that Harold made it very clear when he indicated continuously that when a group of people are in power, it's their turn to run it, and there's no apology to that. And uh, I mean, even being involved in that particular campaign. I do know the resources and the people that Hale brought in. I do know the internal struggles, but I do still look at Harold as not, yes, he loves Chicago, he serves Chicago, but he did indicate many times that when a group of people are the majority, they run it. And he has continued to say that, and he did say that based on him being a, a black mayor. Uh, so I, I do think that Harold considered himself more as a black elected official opposed to Obama would like to consider himself as an elected official and not necessarily black. Mm-hmm. I, I understand what you're saying, and I'm not totally disagreeing with it. And I'm not saying that Harold Washington didn't, didn't do anything for for the South and West Sides. What I'm saying is what Harold Washington did for the South and West Sides, he also did for the South Loop, the North Side, mm-hmm. and, and because he had to, he felt and I but we're looking at '84, he felt like he had to make it seem like it wasn't a prejudiced, it wasn't a biased decision. He had to make sure that everybody and plus we had the council wars, he had Edward Doliak on his back, all type blah blah blah, but. Harold Washington, when he wanted to do something for Austin, he had to do something for 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 Ravenswood, for Rogers Park, for for you know Edgewater, in order to do something for Austin or Inglewood or, or Gresham. 
And I understand that. But what I'm saying is what was good for 84 may not necessarily be good for 2012. Because historically, presidents especially, whether it's it's Clinton or, and to be honest, I, I blame a lot of, of our recession on Clinton. And I loved Clinton. I thought he was cool. But he was really a big part of the outsourcing of jobs to other countries. But whether it's Clinton or Bush or Bush or Reagan, you know what I'm saying, we'll go back all the way to Nixon with the exception of Jimmy Carter. I don't know how he got president. He just didn't belong, but he was a good dude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he definitely was a good dude. He definitely was a good dude. Yeah, he still is. He still is. He was a better post-president than he was a president. He was a great dude, yeah. but he wasn't a politician. He was a, he was he was the epitome of what politics is supposed to be, a, a right. man who wants to do good and come in and try to do the best he can. Right. And, so as I'm hearing you, definitely you know we started off talking about the marketing strategy, and then we went into the the position of Obama, and now that you are in the media of getting a message out through your publications. Um, how do you balance the three, or are you one complements the other based on your publishing and your marketing skills? That's a great question. Um, everything with me is about marketing. Mm-hmm. Don't get it twisted. I, I believe in our, our work. I believe it's quality work, and I believe people will enjoy it. I don't care. Everything is about marketing with me. Is everything because I understand that there's a lot of things that happen when people know who you are. I used to go to um, a lot of organizations and ask for help because that was part of my marketing scheme. I went to the Boys and Girls Club. I'll never forget this. I went to the Boys and Girls Club on a 79th and I want to say King Drive or something like that. And they couldn't afford our services. And we weren't charging that much, but they couldn't afford it. They were having problems just paying the bills that they had. Well, not 1719 Drive. I mean, it must be a dust of another Wait, location. Yeah, what is it? Maybe it's 87. I can't remember what the boys got. I feel bad because I, I can't remember where they are. But but they they had a problem paying their bills. And they're, they're totally funded by foundations and federal money. And they're writing grants like crazy, but they can't seem to get that money. And then you look at... Um, cancer society that Lance Armstrong uh, does, or you look at um, the breast cancer that, that Brett Favre's wife does, or you look at the March of Dimes, and they never, they never broke, man. Never. PETA never broke. Mm-hmm. Why not? Because they're popular. People know who they are. They identify with those organizations. And if they decide that they want to be philanthropists, they're going to go to the organizations that yell the loudest and they want to make the biggest difference. So I realized then that, man, you have to be name brand in order to really get well, the assistance. Well, you know, you know, we're getting ready to uh, kind of sign up, but, what, Sonia, probably what we need to do is have Mr. Oak back on so that we can have a show dedicated to the marketing as it relates to the foundations and the grants and organizations and their uh, capabilities and looking at uh, the Chicago Urban League versus the NWACP in marketing uh, the versus the NWACP 
through the C uh C what was it uh UCL not oh, I, I can't get it the lawyers group uh, how they're marketing their services and then how much is marketing key to nonprofit organizations and how do they fit the overall agenda of the community uh, so. And again, as we, we we're definitely going to be having more programs on the Obama effect as we get closer to the election, um, and even taking as Sonia put it, uh, how do we remember Harold Washington as we look at the Obama effect? Uh, so, uh, do as a matter of fact, uh, 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 Mr. Oak, I definitely want you to. Uh, Give me a call back so I can deal with that hurting your feelings. You don't sound like somebody can hurt your feelings, but I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> but at the same time, I do want to uh, uh, talk with you and so that we can do some follow-up. Ms. Sonia Perdue. Thank you for being with us, Mr. Summers. It's been great uh, dialoguing with you and great to meet you. Hope to meet you soon in person. Have a good evening. You listen to Black Wall Street USA. We're here every Thursday evening, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. And uh, had a good dialogue and learned a lot, too. Uh, really liked that. Really enjoyed it. Um, Ron, tell us again where your uh, upcoming summit is and tell us the location and the yeah, time. That's going to be at the Bronzeville um Tourism and Convention Center at 3501 South King Drive. You enter through the rear. Uh, that's uh, next Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Uh, we're definitely going to be talking business. We're going to be talking about parity. We're going to be talking about expanding in Gary and in the south suburbs. And we're going to talk about sustaining and increasing black business as we look at August being dedicated as Black Business Month. Great. Thank you so much. And uh, we have some great promotional packages that we've put together for you. You've heard a little bit about them. We do have some more. Uh, Saucer Journal is publishing in August. And uh, one other thing, did you notice, Ron, that there is a uh, a contest for everyone who places an ad in the August edition of the South Street Journal. And that price right. is mm-hmm. an oil yeah. painting, an original oil painting of Malcolm X by the publisher, the artist, the publisher, the editor of South Street Journal, Mr. Ron Carter himself. What, uh, about what that, size Sonia. would that be? I, I, I missed that. I missed that. I missed that. Oh, you did? Yeah, you're auctioning <laughs> off one of my paintings. <laughs> you going to auction off one of my paintings? How did you miss that? Is that why my painting was on that promotional package? Did you read the promotional package? <laughs> yes, we are. We are, and for everyone who uh, gets the <laughs> 
I don't know how you boy, 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 boy. I seen the art. I seen. I said, now what is this Malcolm X doing on this here? You know, I, yes, I'm a fan right. of Malcolm X. I thought you was thinking that I was just so much a fan of Malcolm X that you put my artwork on there. And I, I, that, I didn't get it. That I wanted to just stick it on my promotional material. Yeah. So in other words, so you're giving you away my artwork. In okay, other words, fine, fine, Sonia. Do it. Give it away. <laughs> in Do other it. words, you didn't read it. Yes. That blue portrait of Malcolm X will be in a drawing for all the advertisers in August. It is on the promotional material. It's so typical of a man not to pay attention to everything, you know. And I we're gonna have a show, Sonia. I know we got the Chicago Black Business Network, and this is a business show, but we're gonna have to have a show uh, on, on women and men. You know, we're gonna to have to tell them this type of conversation, and, uh, and and with one of your other uh, guests that you had, what's the name of that book? Bitch. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna to have to you talk be, about that. You be that. careful of your tone when you say that. We got fourteen <laughs> seconds. You be. I don't know careful. how you interpret the tone, but that's the name of the book. You be careful of your tone. Everyone, you have a good evening. This has been Black Wall Street USA. That's the chairman of Black Wall Street District, Chicago, Ron Carter, Sonia Cassandra Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network. And I want to thank you for being with us. I got to check out that song. I'll be back next week. Thank you so much. Have a great evening. Good night, all. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.